Father, we love you. Um, God, as I've already started a conversation with friends across the country, with friends in law enforcement, God, also with friends who are of color and are hurting, um, God, I'm asking that you just unite all of us. I'm, I'm asking that you let us know that we are brothers and sisters, that all of us are from you, whether we, we reject you or accept you. Um, I thank you for, for times where you let us know that, that we live on this fallen earth. The pain is very real, Father. Evil is very real. But we know your son, Jesus Christ, and we know that there is power in his name. We know that you are for unity, and you call all of us together. Father, here on Kodiak Island, we are, we are very protected and buffered from a lot of what's happening. Even the coronavirus, Father, from, from disunity, from all of that. I thank you that we're protected. But Father, maybe it's because we have the opportunity to be a light, to be a hope, to be leaders, to speak into what we see. Let us not withdraw. Father, let us not disengage. You give us the truth and light. You give us the love. Let us be unifying in our words, in our actions, in our prayers. Speak to us this week. I just, I just pray for healing in our country. I pray for humility that people humble themselves and turn back towards you. Father, if we ever wonder why there is disunity in our land, I, I say it's because it's, that that's where you've not been invited. As we go forward and get into your word this morning, speak to us clearly on what you'd have us do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Every now and then we get a glimpse of, of what it looks like to live in a fallen world, right? When we see stuff that happens like it happens this week in justice, ending of a man's life, you know, I, I called a couple of law enforcement officers of, of friends back home, and I said, what in the world? Like, tell me, tell me I'm missing something. And they said, Larry, that's just what happens when you lose empathy in a job. That, that's, we got to witness what happens when you wake up every day and you're cynical. And you just, you decide to do with what feels right that day instead of following what God has given us in our heart, right? Truth, a path, love. This isn't a political message, but it's just timely, right? And I keep saying that. Like we, we named the message series, See the Light. And that's, that's because I thought we were coming out of the tunnel of this whole coronavirus, right? Like, finally, we get a glimpse of the light. I was super excited about that. See the light. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be the light. Like, we're called to be the light. This first struck me, honestly, as real as, as I can explain it to you, when we watched our three-year-old son battle leukemia, and on the twelfth day, he was gone. And we had no answers. I had, I had no knowledge of, of what cancer was, except that it was a terrible disease. And watched it hit my own family in a way where I finally, towards the end of that, I prayed, and I said, God, if he's going to battle this, for the next three years, and you're going to take them anyway. Take them today. Like, take them today. It was, it was awful. I said, take them today. I want him to experience your plan in heaven like now. And he did. That next day, he was gone. Like, we get to see darkness while we're here on this earth. 
I sometimes wonder when God put the tree of life, the tree of what knowledge in the center of, of the Garden of Eden, I tell you guys, this is the question I have for him. Like, why would he put that tree in the center of the garden? You know, like, God, why would you tempt Adam and Eve like that? Like, he wasn't tempting them. But of the God of knowledge and God of wisdom, he knew that we, I believe, this is just me, I believe he knew we had to see what darkness was so that we could choose light. I believe there's a reason why we get to live on this fallen earth to see very real pain, to see what is what? The absence of God. Because we get to see what choosing darkness looks like. And he's trying to say, guys, I want you to choose me. Like, I want you to choose what's real, what's, what's pure, what's righteous, what's lovely, what's true. I want you to choose light. Because why? Because we are here just for a moment. We are literally on this planet just for a moment, a blink of an eye. Those of us that are older than 60 in the room, like, tell me isn't true, right? It goes like this. We are here for a moment, but when we get to the other side where Colby is today, my own son, that lasts for eternity. And I'm so convinced we don't know what real love is until we're there, the second we're there. I believe it will be beyond what we've, anything we've ever experienced. The realness of heaven, the realness of love. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be the light. We started last week in James 1, 2, and I'll read it again for us this morning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith. Like, that's what these times are. And we're not experiencing any persecution like what they did back in the day against the Romans, right? Like, I actually shared this with Myra. I said, I said what we just witnessed is, I think, is what the Christians and what the Jews experienced on probably a daily basis when the Romans were in rule and when there was tyranny in the land and where it was all about power and oppression and taking ground like, where does that come from? It's a darkness. It is evil. What's crazy, and I'm just going to say it, it exists in all of us when we don't choose to follow Christ. It exists in every one of us when we don't choose daily, what? To deny myself, take up the cross, and follow Him. Like, there's a reason why Scripture says daily we have to deny ourselves. Take up our crosses and follow Him. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. John 1, 4 and 5, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're going to break this down today. Everyone is made for the light is your first blank in your sermon notes. And I found my glasses, so we're, we're all right today. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm struggling to read. Everyone is made for the light. So this Greek word is, is it's pronounced phos, and it's, the Greek word for light in this scripture means to shine. It means manifest. It means to bring light. It's, kind of, it's, an, it's almost an action word to say it's a manifestation of light. 
it's actually pointing to the light, right? Which those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we know. It's like light. Jesus came to be the light. There's a reason why he came during one of the most darkest days so that there would be a contrast, a recognition of we've been, the people of Israel, the, people, the Jewish people had been under oppression for so many years. Moses led them out of oppression and they still, they're, they're faced with an oppression of the Roman government at this point and Jesus came. Everyone was made for the light. The truth is, we either accept it or we reject it. And why is that? Because real light, real light exposes the truth. Real, the real light of Christianity, the real light of Christ actually exposes it, makes the truth and the beauty more brilliant when it's of Him. Right? So, our family and I have been hiking these mountains the last week. We went up Pyramid Mountain and um, just a few days ago, Cachavir off. And these are first for our family, so we're super excited about it, right? We're, the, we're all just blowing up social media about getting to the top. What's cool is when the sun comes out. Like I think Damon said it before when he was recruiting us for, for Kodiak. He goes, you know, Kodiak's basically Hawaii during the summer when the sun comes out. <laughs> he said, that's why they call it the Emerald Isle. And it's true. Like we're sitting on top of the mountaintop and the sun rays are hitting the grass. The green is, is growing up the mountain, right? Like the sea is sparkling. Like you could see the town. It's just, it's like out of a, a fairy tale. It's out of a kid's coloring book. That's the sunlight shining the brilliance of where we live. Honestly, the brilliance of God's beauty. But what does light also do? And we've all experienced it exposes the darkness. Light, and why many of us sometimes run from the light when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Why do most criminal activity happen in the middle of the night? Because you can hide. Well, you can hide at night. If we didn't have so many windows in our church, we'd have fun with the kids and we'd turn off all the lights and I'd have a flashlight up here. Because it's fun, right? The darkness doesn't like the light. It exposes what oftentimes we do not expose. Everyone is made for the light. This means that the world was made for the light. It's not a foreign light. This light is the owner of the world. Think of it that way. Jesus Christ and God created this planet and all of us for His enjoyment. For His enjoyment. Like He's the owner. He wrote the manual, the blueprint. Like we were hanging out in Steve Paulson's garage the other day and he gave Blake a ride in his, uh, his Colby, Shelby Cobra. And we actually had to pay again to watch, uh, what, what was it, Shelby or Ford versus Ferrari? <laughs> Just so we could relive that moment in Steve's car. Steve gets to do that every day. What's cool is Steve was showing us how he had restored an Oldsmobile. And he went back and got the original guide for that Oldsmobile. And he says it has every part every wiring, everything you need to know about this car. Think about God and Christ and Jesus Christ that way. He is the owner of all of this, right? You've heard the scripture. He owns the hills and every cow on it. Like he's the owner. He knows how we're built. Sorry, I'm fighting with my mic this morning. There we go. He owns all of it. And as we said last week, like none of the current events the coronavirus, what we saw on TV last week, what's been going on, honestly, for, for all time, 
none of it surprises him. Like, none of it surprises him. He knew it was going to happen before he set things in the motion, did he not? None of it surprises him. It was all made for him. Jesus is the light of the world. His light makes sin plain as day. It shows its ugliness. He also shows everything good. He shows the true beauty of the world. Our world was made to be illuminated. The light shows the beauty, but also the light casts out darkness. Now and for eternity. Christ calls this darkness outer darkness. He actually uses the words outside darkness. Meaning, if he is the one that bears the light, he said there is a darkness, an outer darkness. Also, he uses those same words to describe hell. And hell is such a controversial topic these days. Everybody wants to talk about eternity or talk about enlightenment or talk about spirituality and fulfillment. But scriptures are very clear for us, and it says, guys, there is an eternity of light, of love, and joy. But there also is an eternity outside of light, and it's darkness. It's outer darkness, and Christ is calling it outer darkness, which is also hell. The light casts out darkness. Matthew 8.12 tells us very clearly, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. These are people who don't want anything to do with the light. Into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about eternity. For those of us who choose to stay in the darkness, for those of us who say, I want nothing to do with that man like, I don't believe who he is, or I don't, I don't want what he's bringing. Or, what we saw in the news this week, when I choose to go my own way, how I feel, whatever I want to do, whatever makes me feel good, and what I think is just, apart from God, like, I'm choosing what? I'm choosing darkness outside of Christ. Take a look all around us. My question this morning is, what are we praying for? Like, are, we, are my prayers solely consumed with, Father, help my week go well? You know, Father, like, be with my kids as they choose their, their paths. Please keep Blake and Chloe from <laughs> choosing the wrong way, Right? Please keep them from stumbling on every mistake that I ever stumbled on. You know, it's, it's easy for us to get consumed in our own worlds. Lord, Father, bless this church so that we can be a light in the community. Lord, Father, bless our community so we can be a light in the nation. Father, protect each person in this room. Like, that's awesome. I love that, and we need to be doing that. But then what? Let's not shut our blinds and close our doors to what's happening all over our nation. Like, let's not shut our blinds and close our doors to some of these men in our community that choose the street. Like, let's just say, Father, like, I love Bob Goff. It's one of the book gifts that I'm giving to each of our graduates. Like, let's do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Like, what if we did that? What if we brought light to just one person that we interact with this week and we wish we could do it for everyone. 
On this earth, we get a short glimpse of the darkness in ourselves, in those around us. It's what fallen man looks like. So I'll, sh- I'll share something with you guys, and it's, it's a little personal. It's very real, and it's very raw because we're right in the middle of it. Uh, three months ago, we as pastors in the, in the area, uh, one of our church members came up and said, hey, we, we'd like to start praying together, doing, praying, walking around the city, praying against the drugs in our community. And, of course, we all said we'd love that. Because Kodiak's not unlike every other you know, major city in the U.S. that's got a, a large percentage of the population, whether people are living in suburbia or on the street, that are very addicted to, to drugs and chemical and alcohol. And so we agreed together, we want to rally the churches, and it was supposed to be in May, by the way, <laughs> so we've, we've punted, to pray against the drug dependency in our area. And two of the pastors in that team said, guys, you have to be ready, and these are the more charismatic pastors, right? Guys, you have to be ready. If, if this is an evil stronghold in our area, you have to be ready and prepared for spiritual warfare. And, and, of course, a few of us said, we're ready, we got this. And we know what it means. You pray and fast for 40 days if you really want to go in the spiritual battle. Well, that's for a future sermon. But we decided we were going to do prayer walks around our city against drugs and alcohol. That even if there was just six of us, that was fine, for, fine with us. I'll just tell you, there was one person in our group, I can't give their name, once we started praying against the drug use in our city and rallying our churches together, all spiritual warfare broke loose against this person. Like to the point where even if you don't believe in the spiritual warfare, you're looking at this going, holy cow, like this is real. And I, I dare to say even in all of our churches, a little bit of it. But there's one person in the group, and I can't give their name, that be praying for our city, they have been witnessing one of the biggest drug dealers on our island and have been able to submit 30 different people and vehicles to the local authorities because of the drug trafficking going on in their area. Literally, eyewitness. And we're starting to see people being arrested for drug use. And we're starting to see action being taken against people that are, that are using drugs and buying drugs and maybe even bringing them onto this island. It's not so different what's happening at this moment as what happened in San Antonio, Texas, I think uh, 10 years ago. Blake was like 10 years old. This is a fun little story, and it has an awesome ending, but it reminds me of what's what's happening in this prayer group. So Blake and I are parking the car. We drop the girls off at the restaurant, and we're parking the car because it's like 10 blocks away from the restaurant, right? We're we're trying to pay our, our parking fee, which is $10. And the young man with his, with his vest on attendant came up to Blake and I, and he said, that's 10 bucks. And I said, great. And I handed him a 20. And he said, let me get you some change. I said, wonderful. So Blake, I think Blake's like 10 at the time. He's somewhere, he's young. Where $20 is a very big deal to a 10-year-old, right? And so the parking attendant goes to his little attendant house and then just takes off. <laughs> so he's like hauling tail with 20 bucks. And I'm like, oh man, that just happened. And we, we kind of ran for 50 feet and then decided. Uh, and, but Blake, mad. Like, you just stole my dad's money, you know, $20. 
And he was fuming mad, like mad. Just he's, he's very upset. And so we're talking, and we're on our way to the restaurant, and I'm realizing how big of a deal it is for him. And uh, I didn't know quite how to fix it or explain it. I said, bud, it's just these things happen, right? It's just this is going to happen. So we get to the restaurant. We sit down at the table. And you could tell he's still wound up about it. He's a high justice guy. There's a reason why he wants to go into law enforcement. <laughs> so we sit down at the table, and I said, I said guys, let's... And I told Myra and Chloe about what had happened, and, and everybody had words. And I said, let's do this. Let's pray, let's pray for the guy. So we sat down, and I don't want to sound overly spiritual, but it's, it's what we decided to do at that moment, right? This isn't always our day. And so we prayed for the guy. We said, God, if he's going to use that money for food or whatever or something good, let, let, it, let it bless him. If he's going to use that money for drugs or anything else, let him get caught. Like, we trust you with this, is essentially what we were saying. And finally, like, after the prayer, we got to have a real dinner together. Like, we're in vacation. Like, we're trying to enjoy dinner. <laughs> and so, that, you know, that everybody was in a better mood. No lie, that evening, on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, Blake and I spot this dude again. Changed clothes. And we went and told Myra, it was like, there's the guy, there's the guy right there. And so Myra goes into like LAPD mode. It was hilarious. So she's like, she's like chasing this dude, like stalking him. And I said, honey, honey, I was like, leave him alone. And she finally went and told some police officers on the upper streets. And they, and they caught him. And they arrested him. And as Blake and I were standing there, literally, they, I don't know why, but they let us stand five, I guess because we were IDing him, five feet away from him while they were handcuffing him. They pulled a pocket full of crack out, out of his, out of his um, pant pocket. And I, I actually got to tell the guy, I just want you to know we prayed for you. We prayed that, that if you used that money that you took for drugs that you would be caught. How crazy is that? <laughs> I mean, not making that up. It is bizarre. But it reminds me of what's happening right here. In the midst of prayer and drug use. And but for men of God that have no business, right? Like, how would we be able to witness these things? To be able to see someone, maybe one of our major on this island, be caught and at least slowed down. Like, we're called to the light. We're called to prayer. Like, we're called to pray against the darkness. And I've got some more practical steps for us. But it's real. Like, God wants to use us. We, because we know Christ. Like it, and I, I said this in our, in our Wednesday meeting for those of you who were there. Like, I'm not here to play church. Like, I'm not. Like, I, I am here to bring Jesus Christ to every part of this island. Like, I am here to share the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ with every single person on this island. And the way that's going to happen is when we decide that we have the light, that we can do something against the darkness. And someone told me this last week, Larry, you're spending too much time with the other churches and other pastors maybe. And I said, okay, if an hour every other month is too much time with our churches, then, then may, maybe I am getting it wrong. But I believe with every part of my heart that it's going to take every single church, it's going to take everybody at the mission, it's going to take everyone within our church 
to share the light with everyone on this island. I believe our prayers are powerful. I believe there's spiritual warfare here. I've been here just long enough to catch a glimpse of it. But I believe that I know the one who wins in the end. Like, I believe there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he says he will win in the end, that his people will win in the end, like, that's exciting to me. That's exciting to me. Take hope for this very reason Christ was sent for us. John 8, 12 through 14. For those of you that picked up sermon notes, they're in the back of the room. John 8, 12 through 14. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, and when you see Pharisees, think religious people. You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And then Jesus answered to them, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I am coming from or where I am going. He's saying, you guys don't know me. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And He was saying these things. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. There's no other light than Jesus Christ. Like there's no other cure for this darkness. You know, this is why the church has such a tough time sometimes like partnering with um, drug rehabilitation clinics. This is why the church has a tough time partnering with, you know, mental health because, because the church believes this statement 100%. There's no other light than Jesus Christ, right? They need Jesus and then they'll get healed. And it's true. It's true. But they also need to know that we are empathetic, that we will walk with them. Like Christ walked with them. He knew that he was the cure, but he did what? He interacted with them one-on-one. Like he knew that he was the hope of the world, but he went to where? Some of the darkest places and hung out with some of the darkest people. Nothing else dispels the darkness. Nothing man-made, not religion, no other gods. Jesus is the light of the world, only Jesus Like I almost sent out a special request for our worship team, that song only Jesus can. You know, maybe we'll send it at some point in the future. And I love the critique sometimes from my own own daughter. Y'all always talking about Jesus in the church. (laughs) And I'm like, I know. But really, we believe that like He is the only way. John 10, 25-30 says, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
He was talking to the religious people of that day, the Jewish people who did not recognize Christ as the Savior. Like they didn't, they were still waiting. And he was basically saying, I'm right in front of you. Like, are we not any different today? Like, we have his word. We have his hope. Like, I'm, I'm praying that God uses us, like, and I'm, I'm a 45-year-old guy, so I'll say, like, Navy SEALs. That God uses us and sends us in to complete a mission. Sends us into the darkness. Like, send me. I often joke when I was in Texas, like close to the border, I'm like, I would love to recruit a bunch of guys to go in south of the border and eliminate all these bad dudes and somehow share the gospel with them first, right, before, before we ended their, their world. But, you know, may, maybe I'll calm down when I hit 50 or 60. I don't know. Probably not. John 8, 31 and 32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, if, if you obey his word, if we forgive, if we confess to one another, if we if we're obedient to every word in here, if we spend time in this word, like it is, it's our sword. He will guide us. Then he calls us his disciples. Like we're not his disciples just because, just because we say, I believe in you, Jesus. Right? We're disciples because we submit to him, his word daily. Believe me, it comes in handy for me. Like how often do I have to forgive? Like daily. How often do I have to get over myself daily? You know, how often do I have to confess to my brothers and sisters about where I'm getting it wrong daily? It's like, God, I need you. It just becomes so obvious. Like, I need you. We need you. I'm getting towards the finish line here, and this is more the practical point. So so you're saying, okay, I get it, Larry. Or as I would say to Chloe, yes, we do. We talk about Jesus a lot. Here's what we can do. It's just four things. It's just be intentional. We have incredible opportunities to be intentional for Christ here on this island. Be intentional. We have incredible opportunities to serve our brothers and sisters at the mission for summer camps, for building cabins and tents on the island. So that what? Have more cabins and tents on an island? So that everyone can hear the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. That's what intentionality does for you. You know, Myra and I have a dream of, of going and grabbing ten horses from down wherever, in the lower 48 where they're cheaper, <laughs> and bringing trail horses up here one day maybe so that we can help the mission or help do summer camps at the rodeo, like wherever, wherever we can share the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ with middle school age or high school age kids that never had had that opportunity. Or even men going a guided horseback hunt in the mountains. Or women, right? Like whoever wants adventure, whoever wants to share the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ, there's a thousand ways to do it. And I believe he's given everyone in this room a dream. 
And I believe He wants to partner with you and say, all right, are you ready? You know, even and Stephen, the even Stephen, right? And their boat for shuttling people over so that people can hear the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. That's intentionality. Four things, share your faith in Christ. And it's not, it's not anything earth-shattering. It's just sharing what Christ did for you. Right? Tell them about your darkness. Like, tell them about your previous life. Like that stuff that we're scared to tell each other. It's actually okay. Like, I'll share with you, especially when we're in a room of men, I'll share my stuff with the guys. Share who we used to be. Own all of it. Own all of it. And then share who you are now because of Christ. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect. Like, invite neighbors over. Have dinner with them. And say, hey, tell us your story. And let them tell you their story. Where they're from, like how they got here, like what they're doing here. And then when it gets to your turn, share your story. And this is the part where you don't have to be overbearing, but share, share about how God changed your life. It's real simple. And to just keep eating dinner, and they're like, oh, they're cool, they're normal, and they believe in somebody named Jesus. Like, I don't know what that's about. Take the light where it's dark. This is, this is honestly one of my favorite things. You guys know I, like, I'm, I'm, I take risks. Like, I love going in the darkness. I love having hard conversations. But I believe Jesus did that in a way like He set the model for us. He always spoke truth and love. In my human flesh, sometimes I'll just speak nothing but what I think is true, and, and love comes like seven days later, you know, when I realize how wrong I am. I don't know if you're like me in that. Take the light where it's dark. Number three is shine together as the church. So let me read this one story to you as we finish up. Shine together as the church. So I found a documentary and a, uh, kind of a description of this documentary this, re- this week that stood out to me. In his recent documentary titled Light on Earth, David Attenborough tells of an unbelievable experience of the USS, the SS Lima on January 25, 1995, as the British merchant vessel sailed the waters of northwestern Indian Ocean, the seas beneath them began to glow. On a clear moonless night, while 150 miles east of the Somalian coast, a whitish glow was observed on the horizon. And after 15 minutes of steaming, the ship was completely surrounded by a sea of milky white color and a fairly uniform luminescence. It appeared as though the ship was sailing over a field of snow or gliding over the clouds. While stories of the glowing seas have been a part of maritime folklore since the 1700s, they've never been scientifically 